The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I am so delighted to welcome you to the show, whether you're listening to the live show right now or whether you're listening to a download later. It's always nice to have you join us. Oh, the yeah, I don't need to tell you that we're in the middle now of a presidential campaign. That's all we've heard for the last few days. We're hearing a lot in this campaign for president about who believes what, and some of them seem more like accusations. It's interesting to hear what's going on. You know, and they're pointing out some interesting shifts that are taking place in the belief systems of the American population. I don't know whether other people are, are noticing that or not, but it seems really apparent. And there's a new survey by the Pew Research Center's Forum on Religion and Public Life uh, that I found really interesting. And I want you to, to, to be tuned into the fact that it's the way they ask the question that solicits the answer. So you, you can give it as much credibility as you want. I found it very interesting. Um, I don't always believe all the numbers I see. And I would suggest that you might want to look into it a little further as well. But um, it's still a really interesting survey. They find that, well, in the first place, they find that there's about 46 million unaffiliated adults. That means they're not affiliated with a specific religion or a denomination. 46 million unaffiliated adults are religious or spiritual in some way. Two-thirds of them say they believe in God. More than half say they they often feel a deep connection with nature and the earth. And more than a third classify themselves as spiritual but not religious. One in five say they pray every day. And and that's really not the picture that the media gives us, but uh, it's very interesting. In addition, most religiously unaffiliated Americans think that churches and other religious institutions benefit society by strengthening community bonds and aiding the poor, and they do that. They do indeed do that. With few exceptions, though, the unaffiliated say they are not looking for a religion that would be right for them. Overwhelmingly, and this is where I say, you know, pay attention because I don't know how they ask the question. 
Overwhelmingly, they think that religious organizations are too concerned with money and power, too focused on rules, and too involved in politics. Don't think about that one. So today, we're going to talk about spirituality. And yes, we have an expert with us. Dr. Jim Norse has been in private practice since 1980. From 1975 to 1980, he served as staff psychologist and director of clinical psychology training at the, at the Hampton, Virginia's VA Medical Center and as assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at the Eastern Virginia Medical School. His 40 years in the healthcare field have been driven by a passion for the application of ancient and transpersonal approaches to problems faced by modern people. In addition to his training in psychology and acupuncture, Jim has had the good fortune to study with revered elders and teachers, including Stan and Christina Groff, Michael Harner, Beautiful Painted Arrow, and Hugh Lin. He, I would give you more, but I can't pronounce them, so you know, you're going to have to read some of his writings. He lives in North Carolina with his wife, Judith, a teacher and practitioner of reflexology and, reflexology and feng shui, and with his cat, Charlie, who practices cat medicine, and I'd like to see that. Jim has been with us before, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome him back to the Self-Improvement Show. Jim, so glad to have you back. Welcome. Thanks, Irene. Good to talk with you again. Let's start with that awful first question. You know this one. Tell us about yourself. Who is Jim Norse? Well, of course, that's a, that changes daily. But the uh, I guess for our present purposes, talking about spirituality, just to tell you a little bit about my orientation toward that, uh, I think I've always been a spiritually oriented person even when I didn't recognize that that was the case. Um, when I was about eight years old, I developed an intense interest in astronomy. And from then until my early 20s, fully intended to be an astronomer. I was just captivated by the notion of an infinite universe and um, you know what these distant bodies might really be, who might live there, and so forth and so on. And then when I was a, a freshman in college... Uh, this was during the 60s. Um, I did some unauthorized field research in the area of psychedelic chemicals, like many of us did during that era. And uh, I had a, uh, a profound spiritual awakening. Now, up to that point, uh, I had become kind of a, a non-spiritual, or so I thought, uh, alienated young man, uh, angry young man, um, you know, the classical, you know, alienated character of the, of the 60s, and very materialist in my orientation toward life. And on that particular uh, LSD experience, uh, I had a spiritual awakening of uh, colossal proportions that totally turned my world upside down and reoriented me in a more specifically spiritual direction. I, ch- I changed my major to psychology in part to try to figure out what had happened to me and became very attracted to the writings of C.G. Jung and subsequently uh, began to look into, as you mentioned, uh, the ancient 
systems that seem to have much more to say about these phenomena and deep spiritual experiences than anything that I'd run across in my own religious background. And I, I didn't have a, um, a negative religious background. It was a very kind of a middle way Christian church, and there just really wasn't much to it. So I think it wasn't a matter of having anything really shoved down my throat. It was just that there was just nothing there, and I never got the hang of church, and I never understood what its purpose was. And so this really motivated me to um, to take a closer look at what is spirituality. And um, when it came to writing this book, Simple Spirituality, Finding Your Own Way, uh, I had been a psychotherapist for some years, and at some point, most of my clients would come to the place in their own work on themselves where they began to consider spirituality once again. Many of these folks were uh, alienated from their religious background for one reason or another, uh, or some had just never taken it seriously, had not grown up in a, in a home where religion was emphasized at all. And they had come around to a point where they wanted to find a way to kind of jumpstart a spiritual exploration, but they didn't want to have a triple eight on them. <laughs> and they would ask me, yeah, and they would ask me, you know, what, um, is there anything I can read that might help me with this? And I really couldn't find anything that was just sort of a generic, you know, this is a way you can kind of get started developing your own unique understanding of spirituality. And so finally, I decided I had to write the book. And I'm glad you did, and we're going to talk about that book um, in, in a little while. But, you know, I, I really want to talk to a, a little bit with you about the findings of the Pew Research uh, Study. I, mm-hmm. I guess I want to ask you if you agree with their findings that the reasons behind the trends are, you know, the ones they talked about, concern with money, power, rules, and politics. Now, is that what your clients are seeing? Is that what the, why they're searching? Or is, you know, I, I have my own views on that, but, you know, is that what you see as you're talking with people? Well, I think that's, that's certainly some of it, Irene. I mean, that's maybe the most obvious aspect is that, you know, it's pretty easy to look at the abuses and it's uh, it's easy to look at the hypocrisies, you know, that something is preached from the pulpit on Sunday, but the organization or the institution as a whole controls tremendous wealth and, you know, there are scandals and so forth. Oh, yeah. So there certainly is that. But I think there's there's something that's much deeper and more profound than that. Um, in my own experience, and just about everyone I've talked to who wants to begin to cultivate their own spirituality, there's a sense that they were never never able to find a true mystical spiritual awakening in their own religion. That there was a lot of talk about it, that there were a lot of activities and social events and fellowship and, and service, you know, all good things. But in terms of how do I make contact with my own 
spirit and my own sense of what it means to be alive and my relationship with a higher power, that that was never cultivated in any specific way. I do think that is changing in some churches. Oh, I do too. I think that's really interesting that you bring that up. You know, I was in a fairly fundamentalist, Bible-oriented church, and I really felt my soul wanting me to meditate, and I did not really know how to meditate. And they announced that they were going to have a sermon on meditation, and I was so excited. Wonderful. Thought, you know, oh, well, the story isn't over. <laughs> I was there to hear that sermon, and the sermon was on it's dangerous to meditate. When you clear your mind, the devil comes in and takes over, and you'll never get it. You know, you'll never get it cleared, and so you shouldn't meditate. Now, they've totally changed their position since then, but that was it for me. I'm saying, I you know, everything in me said, that is wrong. I cannot accept that. I can't sit with this kind of teaching. I'm out of here, <laughs> and I was, and I learned to meditate. <laughs> well, I think that I think that points out perhaps another reason that uh, that some people, many people, have been put off by the conventional teachings is that what you just described there is a is a fear based notion of self exploration and deep spiritual understanding. It's the you know the God is going to get you or the devil is going to get you. Somebody's going to get you. Somebody's going to get you. Yeah, you're going to be got somehow. And I hate to go to break on that note, that but we're going to <laughs> we're going to go to break. Stay tuned, and you're going to find out how you're not going to get got. So don't go away. Come back. We'll be right back in a moment. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. 
Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Jim Norse, and we're talking about spirituality, and we've been talking about um, spiritual, not religious. And I have another question, Jim, and I have a feeling you can deal with this one. Now, what's the possibility that we've had a raise in consciousness that says there's more? Now, urging your soul to look for the more. And not only that, but there's a lot of discussion about oneness, and it's being talked about a lot in a lot of different circles. And that's a soul journey and not a mind journey. Now, could this be as much at play with the dissatisfaction with religion as those other things like politics and, you know, thought control and whatever? I I think that is uh, an extraordinary observation. The, I think, you know, one way to look at this is a, is a dissatisfaction with conventional religion. Another way to look at it is that there is instead an emerging satisfaction and even excitement with a growth in consciousness that's taking place in our culture and perhaps in our species as human beings, that a sense of who we are spiritually is beginning to to gather some momentum and it's too uh, it's too powerful and it's too beautiful to be contained by any institution at this point any container that you try to put it in is too small and so there is there is something emerging there is a growing consciousness in the world right now that is being felt by individuals who all of a sudden are finding themselves wanting to explore spirituality, wanting to know what their relationship is to the greater reality. And uh, it's not so much that you have to be negative toward church, it's just that this is coming up instead, and it's more exciting. Yeah, David Hawkins has a wonderful book called Power Versus Force, and he mm-hmm. talks about, have you, read, have you had a chance to see that? No. It's an amazing book, and he talks about the raise in, rise in consciousness and, and at what levels you really find significant change and what that change means to you as an individual and what the change means when enough people have that change to influence what's happening in society. No, it's um, it's a it's a wonderful read. It's not a new book, but um, you know, I read it twice. I'm about to start on it my third time. It it just is really meaty. And well, thanks um, for that recommendation. Yeah, you know, power I, I versus force. Power versus force. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a critical mass phenomenon that takes place, and this this is just speculative on my part, but that when the spiritual consciousness of a sufficient number of people um, based on the efforts that they've put into it has come about, then there's a shift that becomes possible on a much broader scale. I agree, totally agree. Uh, And the other thing is we have now access to teachings that we never had before. I mean, I was 50 years old before I knew what the Buddhists taught or what yeah. the Hindus taught, 
And I found a lot of wonderful things in their teachings, um, things that really resonate with me and with my soul that I didn't know before. Uh, and and I, you know, I don't have any idea what kind of influence the Internet and access to all that information has on us. Now, what's your take on that? Oh, Probably you know, only. the influence of the Internet, of course, is profound, uh, for better or worse. You know, there's a lot of truth and a lot of falsehood that's conveyed out there by virtue of the, uh, of the cyber world. But I wanted to comment on one thing that, that you said in terms of your acquaintance with Hinduism and Buddhism and how those particular philosophies spoke to you. I was giving a talk here um, back in November, um, actually a series of five talks at the uh, Medicine and Ministry of the Whole Person Conference, primarily an organization of um, physicians and healthcare practitioners and their spouses who also happen to be people of faith. And I was talking a lot about um, simple spirituality, also going on about some of the uh, Eastern traditions that I was acquainted with. And there were some people, a small percentage, but there were some people that were very uh, resistant to what I was presenting. These were people who were pretty solidly in the conventional Christian camp. And about halfway through, that resistance began to shift. And one woman came up to me at this conference and said, you know, I need to apologize to you because I had a lot of judgments about you based on what you were saying. And she said, then I, I began to realize, she said, something shifted, and I began to realize that all of the things that you were talking about coming from these different traditions are also in my Christian tradition, but I had never paid attention to them. I'd never realized that they were there. So I, I, that was astounding to me to hear that. And, and so I thought, you know, this means, what this means to me is that this rising consciousness that we're speaking of is happening inside all of us. And it's even enabling people, uh, people of more conventional faith, to be able to see and locate the mystical truths in their own religion that they'd never taken note of before. And there are mystical traditions in every, every religion. Now there are there are the mystics, <laughs> and, and um, a lot of religions don't want to recognize the mystics, but they have some profound profound teachings. The one thing that I, I guess one of my measuring sticks is, you know, how loving is this? Yes. How loving is this? You know, if. If it needs to bash everybody else, um, I don't want to go there. Exactly. Now, one of the things that I wanted to, to ask you about as a counselor, as a psychologist, and I know, and you, you touched on this in the beginning, you know, one of the things, and it still bothers me at times, uh, you know, and that's this whole fear-based stuff of hell and damnation, that's one thing that bothers me. And the other thing is, after growing up in a milieu that was in prayer about gimme gimme, <laughs> I don't know how else to say that, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard for me to know how to pray. And it's interesting that I have that struggle. So, you know, I just say, okay, God, here I am. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how else to go about it and leave all that give me stuff. I mean, we used to pray for the basketball games and somebody to win the football games and, you know, somebody to win the election. And it was like, you know, come on. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, God, please be the best Santa Claus I can imagine. You got it. You got mm-hmm. it. And and going away from that mindset, then what do you do? You know, it's it's wonderful just to sit in the presence and say nothing, do nothing. This is something that's hard to grasp unless you've had a direct experience of it. But I think what you just said, sitting in the presence, is exactly it. It's not asking for anything. It's not petitioning. It's not trying to make anything happen. It is going inside and allowing the mind to become quiet. And that takes some doing. (laughs) <laughs> and, allow, and allowing oneself to, to come into the silence that's underneath all of that mind chatter. In that, in that experience of silence, even if it's just for a moment, in that moment of silence is the presence of the divine. And that, the more that we can allow ourselves to move into that state, the more we become aligned with divinity. Yeah. And you know, that's, people think that this is something you, that that's not available to them because it's available only in meditative practice. You know, and I, that means I've got to get up earlier, I've got to sit down for a half hour or more, uh, you know, I've got to sit cross-legged and I've got to make, I've got to shut my mind off. No, no, it's not about that. You can get started without having anything added to your to-do list. I know this is hard to believe, but you can start right here, right now. One of the places that I suggest in the book, one of the venues for beginning to experience this presence is any situation where you are forced to stop and wait. You know, in the course of our day, um, there are many times that we that our inner our agenda is interrupted. We have to stop at a traffic light. Maybe we're running late. There, the line at the traffic light is so long it's going to take several changes for the light for the for, for us to get through. So we're really going to be late. Or we're at the teller in the bank line. Uh, we're waiting for the voice menu on the telephone to get to the option we want. And of course, we have to listen because the options have always changed. What do we normally do when we're in that situation? We either space out or we stress out. Well, what if we could redefine those moments where we are forced to stop and wait as moments where we can begin to awaken? So instead of stressing instead of spacing out you take a couple of deep breaths and you drop back inside yourself and you become the observer of everything that's arising you observe the traffic light you observe the other cars you observe frustration that's coming up inside of yourself you observe the tension in your body 
And as what, what I find is, and what so many people find is, when we drop back and simply become the observer, and I capitalize that term, capital O, we begin to relax. We begin to sink into that presence, even if only for a moment. And those moments begin to expand the more we practice. So all we're doing to have this meditative practice, we're not adding anything to our to-do list. We're simply choosing to use those moments that we all experience during the day in a different way. I love that thought. One of my favorite places and my favorite time of day, and this sounds really weird, I go to the dog park every day with my little dog, and we go as soon as it's daylight because he has to. Mm-hmm. And we uh, there's a little group of us that walk. It's a quarter of a mile around the dog park. And so we go three or four times around so we get a mile in. And there's a, a time that we come around and the sun is just behind the mountains and it's orange and pink and you know the sky above it then is just beginning to be blue and it is so incredibly beautiful that everybody stops we just stop nobody speaks you know we just look at the beauty and it is the most precious minute of the day and really puts everything in perspective for me. Now, other people may, may not think that that would do it, but, you know, it's, it's a special moment for me. And on that yeah. note, yeah, on that note, we're going to have to go to break. We're going to have a special moment when we come back, so stay tuned. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Do you have complete control over your thoughts and your life? It seems like we do, but there are always outside forces that are wreaking havoc with that control. How do we get our thoughts back on track, so to speak? Listen for help. My thoughts are holding me hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. When you command the power of thought, you can achieve or have whatever you want. Make the laws of the universe work for you. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. Our guest today is Jim Norse, and we're talking about spirituality and about his book, Simple Spirituality. Um, we were talking before the break about special moments, and many people have them. And you were talking about how you can make sometimes an unspecial moment into a special moment. And we're talking more and more about these kind of things in our society. But let's go back to this person who his soul is being tugged at. You know, he, he's, he doesn't quite know which way to go. He's not satisfied with where he is in his religion he doesn't know where to go he may be a little afraid of it and yet he keeps getting nudged and I don't know how else to to term that except getting nudged to look for more and I know you see some of these people in your practice that's one of the things that probably brings them there because they feel this uneasiness I guess I want to say and so when people say talk to you about that what do you see as the starting place is it different for everybody you know do you say, just hand them your book and say here read this you know where do you take them what do you do for them well I certainly don't hand, hand them the book right away and say read this because that's they've already probably gotten some version of that you know, just just buy into this philosophy or this right. approach. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's probably not a good opener. But uh, first of all, you know, anyone who is experiencing this, I think it is a, even though it may be a bit of an uncomfortable experience at first, I think it's really beautiful because my view is that this is your spirit prompting you, you know, trying to get your attention, say, saying, look at me. You know, begin to explore me, begin to investigate this other dimension of life. And so the first thing I would do would be to honor and acknowledge that and also to suggest that people really begin to pay attention to what is happening in the present moment. And this is going to be different for everyone, but this capacity that we have to intentionally pay attention to what is arising in this present moment inside us and in our immediate perception. It's called mindfulness. Yes. And of course, mindfulness is, is a term that's you know gotten pretty wide circulation these days, but it essentially is this ability intentionally to pay attention to what's coming up, but specifically without identifying with it and without judging it. good example of this given by the, uh, the Zen master, Thich Nhat Hanh, somebody asked him at a meeting once, do you ever get angry? Because he's this very peaceful guy. You know, it looks like he probably never doesn't even know what anger is. His response was very interesting. He said, from time to time, anger arises. And I just say, hello, old friend. What's really profound to me about that comment is that he didn't say, oh, yes, I get angry from time to time. He didn't or, own it. Yeah, or he didn't say, no, I never do. 
Yeah. But he did say that anger arises. So what he's saying is that he has dropped back a couple of feet from the experience of anger, and he's observed it arising in him. And what happens when we observe anger or anything, and for that matter, arising in our awareness, is that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. One of the insights we have is that these things that come up inside us are not permanent. They don't have to be acted upon, and they don't have to be suppressed. They don't have to be acted in. They don't have to be acted out. When we have that experience of being our own observer of what's coming up for us in a mindful way, then we have made a a deposit, so to speak, in our spiritual bank account because the observer is sort of the face of our spirit. It's the leading edge of our spirit. We repeat this experience over and over and over again. It's, It's cumulative. And eventually, this observing awareness becomes the more defining feature of who we are rather than just these changing patterns of things coming and going in our lives. Ah, nice. And sometimes you say, you know, you, you, you know I don't know whether I, I can't generalize this, but for me, I know that sometimes, you know, I go back into the old stuff and then all of a sudden I'm saying to myself, Oh, I know you. <laughs> I've been here there before. I know you have been here. Uh, is that all there is? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's that's that. Um, and you know, to me, when I say something like "it is what it is," that's kind of what I mean. Oh, I know you. I've been here before. I don't need to stay here anymore. Exactly. And you, what you've done there, Irene, is you've become the observer instead of being all yeah, caught exactly. up in the emotion. You've become the observer of it, and once you've done that, you have the element of choice. And sometimes it's a struggle to get there. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in it, or it is for me. I I suppose there are people who don't get caught up in it, but I do. Um, And then at some point, hopefully, I will see what's happening and say, oh, for goodness sakes, here we go. <laughs> I know this one. And you know, you, you can be, and this is, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not just like throwing a switch. You know, you can become, I can become, we can all become very embroiled in something. But the more that we consistently come back to this position of observer, we can even become the observer of our frustration at being stuck in it for a while. Exactly. Yeah, we just keep dropping back and back and back until we can get to that place where we're just watching it all happen in front of us and no longer invested in it. It really does happen. And it makes a tremendous difference in the way you react eventually. Sometimes you don't catch on enough not to react like you usually react. I don't know how else. Exactly. One of the things that I find interesting is the way people define spirituality. It's all over the place. Now, what what is your definition of spirituality? Well, one of the things that I encourage people to do um, 
is to come up with their own definition of it. So I'm, because, you know, in Taoism, you know, they say the, the Tao that can be described or talked about is not the true Tao. Exactly. Once you begin to really talk about it and try to pin it down, you've lost it. But as a kind of a working definition of spirituality, I just say that it's a quality of consciousness that permits a person's everyday life to have a heightened sense of meaning, fulfillment, vitality, and peace, and a way of relating to whatever you experience with greater wisdom and compassion. Oh, that's good. Can you repeat that? <laughs> Can you do that again? Uh, yes, essentially it's, it's a quality of consciousness, quality of our consciousness, which permits a person's everyday life to have a heightened sense of meaning, fulfillment, vitality, and peace, and a way of relating to whatever you may experience with greater wisdom and compassion. You know what that says to me is, we are all different, and there's a part of us that knows what's best for us. We have to be open enough to find it. Am I way off base on that one? I don't think so. I think that's um, exactly. I think that's exactly right. It's a, it's a matter of opening. It's a matter of being willing to release uh, limits, prejudices, preconceptions, and let your your own internal spirit be able to come forth. And that's a. Uh, it comes forth, you know, as a feeling, as an intuition, as a sense. As a notion, it's not something that's carefully laid out like the definition that I just gave. No, it, it, to me, it, it's like a you know a real tight rosebud that begins to unfold, and and as it does, you get little glimmers of more and more. Um, yeah. I, I can't define it either. You you did much better than I do. So if it is so different, if everybody's path is unique. How do you help them determine what's right for them? How do they learn to trust the wisdom of their own spirit, I guess, is the question. That's easy. Okay, just, give me an easy answer. I just, encourage, I just encourage them to trust what's coming up. Okay. I, I really, I really believe that 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 inherent wisdom that we all have living within us is the best guide. And um, you know, at least for the kinds of people that you know that I'm working with, um, basically my work is to help them to begin to be willing to have some trust in that. One of the things out. you talk about in your book is spiritual practice. Yes. How do you help people find, or, or I guess design is a better word, a spiritual practice that feeds them and their own unique approach to the the whole, I guess, spiritual well, path of this new walk for them? This can be something pretty simple also because, again, my approach is not to 
suggest too much, but just give some gentle nudges, and people will discover their own unique path. That's the beauty about the consciousness that we're moving into right now. But I do say that there are two places that you can begin to look very carefully at. One is what I've already mentioned, these moments in our lives where we have to stop and wait and to begin to redefine our experience in those moments very carefully in the direction of becoming the observer, backing away from identifying with the anger or the frustration. The second arena is in human relationship, whether that be a relationship with your significant other, with, uh, with the boss, with a friend. Anytime we begin to experience tension in one of those relationships is a time that we can apply mindfulness, back away and become the observer and begin to take this thing in a whole different direction. You know, I had, had one client who had this insight that he and his wife, for all the many years they'd been married, had the same six arguments. They all boiled down to the same six arguments. So he developed a shorthand where he said, I think it'd be better for us just to yell at each other, number three, instead of having to go through the whole sequence. You know, and, and there's really such truth in that, because when we have tension in a relationship and we give in to it, when we give in to the argumentativeness and the fighting and everything, we know where that's going to go. We know where it leads. And what happens if we win the argument? Well, what, you know, great, we've won the argument, but we've lost a part of the relationship. Exactly. I love the question, would you rather be right or happy? Exactly. And exactly. on that note, would you rather be right or happy? And uh, think about it while we go to break. This is Irene Conlon saying stay tuned. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? 
call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Jim Norse, who's written a lovely little book called Simple Spirituality. It's in a new edition. Jim, tell people how they can find you, how they can find your book. Uh, you can find me at my website, uh, www.jamesnorse, and that's spelled N-O-U-R-S-E dot com. And Simple Spirituality is available at uh, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And really, it's a lovely little book. It doesn't take you in wide tangents of things. It's just, it's basic, but it's it's really very, very good. I, I like this book. Um, of course, you. you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big reader, and I, it's just a nice, it's just a nice, nice book. One of the things that we have so available to us, it's like a, a smorgasbord these days of teachings from all over. You know, I love the Hindus. I love the Buddhists. I love what they teach. They're so rich. You know, you go back into Egyptian writing and it's so rich. Um, one of the things we don't hear much about are the Hawaiians. And I know the first time I had you on, you were talking about Ho'oponopono. Talk a little bit about that and what that means. And, you know, just just so people know there's still even another piece that they could take a look at. Yes. Uh, the word Ho'oponopono means to make right or to correct an error. And it is, uh, it's an ancient Hawaiian problem-solving process. And it underwent a um, a revisioning uh, back in the early 80s by um, a Hawaiian kahuna named uh, Morna Simeona, and it's a practice that uh, that one practices on oneself whenever any uh, experience comes up within or you know in one's experience in life that uh, one experiences as a problem. It is a, a technique and a philosophy that gives you the, the ability and the empowerment to return to a position of peace. And the idea is that once you have gone back to that place of peace within yourself, that that peace is extended outward in, um, in the world. So you're actually healing yourself and healing the world in the act of doing the Ho'oponopono process. I would point out that um, this mindfulness that we're talking about in simple spirituality, the idea of being able to pay close attention, actually feeds into the Ho'oponopono process very well because the more you can be focused and you can pay attention to what's coming up inside you, the more any spiritual practice is going to be effective, whether it be Ho'oponopono or prayer or service to another person. Why? Because you are yourself going to be more present in what you're doing. Oh, that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah, it's interesting. The other day I opened up my Facebook page and there was, um, I guess I'd call it a meme that had the four little things that you say with Ho'oponopono. Do that for us. Tell people what that is because it's just so lovely. 
Well, there, classically, there have been four phrases. Uh, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, and thank you that we say to ourselves whenever we experience something as a problem. Basically, and these, that's, these are called cleaning tools. And basically, any cleaning tool that you use carries the, the subliminal message within it. I'm sorry, divine creator, for errors in me that are showing up as this problem. Please forgive me for these errors and please transmute them to zero so that I and all else may be free of them. And I find that really refreshing. And that's something that you can do when you're waiting in line or at a stoplight. And it really brings you, you know, it really brings you back to mindfulness if you can remember to do that, if you don't get impatient about what's happening um, that's delaying you. And, you know, it's just, to me, it's just a little gem and, and I think, you know, what, what I really hope people take away from today's, and I've loved today's discussion, I'm sorry that we're almost at the end of it, is, is that, you know, look for jewels everywhere. You can find them in Hawaii or in India or in Egypt or in, you know, wherever or in the town next to you or in the people next door to you (laughs) maybe in your own family you might talk to each other and see what's going on there but I mean there's so many paths that get you where it is you want to go you don't have to be all hung up I I don't know Jim talk about that bail me out here well, I think that, that many of us have, have gone on a very far-flung exploratory process where we've sampled many different philosophies and many different approaches to spirituality, and there comes a point where they all begin to hang together, and we begin to realize that what's, what's been accruing within us or what's been emerging within us is our own unique understanding of spirit, of divinity, and of our relationship to it. And that we can then, we can then go forth into this life. Um, I, I heard one definition um, of spirituality that I thought was, was really beautiful about uh, God is alive in me as me. Yes. And so all that we've gone out to gather up and to explore and to process is basically, God, this is my language. This doesn't have to be yours. We don't even have to use that word. But my language is that this is God basically teaching us in ways that we can begin to incorporate. And eventually we begin to discover that all of these truths have coherence and value and meaning within us. And I was about to ask you, what's the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Would you like to add on to that? Or well, it's really, it's really very basic. It's, uh, and if I could sum it all up, I would sum it up by the word pause. Type that out, put it, put it on a piece of paper, put it on your refrigerator, pause. And what's, what happens with that is that we pause We step back from whatever it is that's coming up that's giving us trouble. We become the observer. And when we become that observer, we become more truly who we are. And we develop our capacity for 
peace, for joy, for equanimity. And that becomes increasingly what we are, and we're less tied up in all of the changing patterns and worries and so forth of our daily experience. What a lovely thought to end the show on, Jim. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. This is Irene Conlon and my guest Jim Norse saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.